Welcome to the Razan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 29. I'm Joel Payne from Resound Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from EngageWorship.org. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song, How Great Is Our God, reviewing the first month of our song cycle, telling you about the Song and Hymn Writers Foundation and the Worship Songwriting Retreat, focusing in on developing your song ideas in the workshop and responding to your tweets, posts and emails. Hi, Joel. Hi, Sam. Uh, we should probably just tell the listeners that at this stage that my, my toddler son is with us in a virtual capacity, in that he's asleep upstairs, but I have his monitor here. So if you hear any noises, um, he might you never know, he might join us. That's the sort of thing. He might join us at some point. He's sort of, his main things are, he wake, at the moment he wakes up and then he just says the name of someone he knows really lovingly. It's very sweet. It could be anyone, Aww. really. Just a friend. Does he ever say me? He's, no, he's never said Sam, actually. He got really into... Um, into Matt, our friend Matt Seymour came and stayed uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he just he was Matt's biggest fan. And then when he saw Matt play the drums, <laughs> he was just like Matt attained godlike status for him. I think. <laughs> anyway, what have you been up to, Samuel? Uh, I have been to a David's Tent worship night in London with the guys from London School of Theology. Oh yeah, tell us about that. So if people don't know what David's Tent is, uh, it's a big summer um, weekend worship event. Very kind of free um kind of like 24 7 style worship and um they have you know all sorts of people come big names and not so big names and they do uh, i think it's a monthly thing now in london um on a thursday night and uh jeremy perigo from lst who got interviewed by you yeah in the last month good old jeremy uh, he was leading and Geraldine uh, Latty was there leading too and they pulled me in to play guitar and it was really, really awesome. I, I absolutely loved it. It had this really brilliant mix of being that kind of slightly crazy, we didn't really rehearse free worship. Yeah. But at the same time, because of who Ger- uh, Geraldine and Jeremy and Kerry playing keys Ah, it wasn't just okay. Now we go around three chords and we sing the same thing over and over again. It was there was a kind of sense of the prophetic. Wow. There was the the music was kind of ebbing and flowing and changing. You know, it was it was ah, oh, it was fantastic. You know, lots of kind of reading out of scripture and 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 digging into things that we felt God was doing. And then towards the end, Geraldine led uh, her song, which is on the Resound site, the Spirit of God oh, song, yeah, yeah, which is like a three part round. And maybe the three, a three part round is something people associate with, you know, being in a slightly over-organised church that has to kind of, okay, now yeah. we're going to sing around. But she did it with these, you know, this massive crowd of, of mostly, you know, young people in London. And the sound was just incredible. And it, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't just a kind of, a let's all perform this three-part thing. It was a real kind of calling out to God for his spirit to come. And it was, yeah, the sound was just incredible. Well, I've actually um, heard... Geraldine and Carey's new album in it sort of mm. not well in it, I was saying it's pre-release form but um I went sat I spent the day with Matt Weeks last week while he was mixing it and mixing a couple of the tracks which was very instructive for me um but also I got to hear the the sort of the complexity and creativity of the arrangements and I and, and it's fantastic actually hearing what they've done with that song it's got a real yeah. groove to it compared yeah. to the quite kind of 
majestic version that um, that Matt put together um, a couple of years ago when we released it. So it's really cool to hear. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of that album coming out. And I think we're going to try and make that one available on the Razam website. Um, and oh, I'm sure terrific, we'll include yeah. a, um, a featured track from it or something. Yeah. Uh, so otherwise, I'm teaching at this LST intensive this week, so I'm busy prepping away at that. Uh, I'm putting the finishing touches to our Thy Kingdom Come journal, which I think I talked about last time, which is this um, season of prayer. It's been kicked off by the Anglican Church um, after Ascension leading up to Pentecost, and uh, we're doing a family creative prayer journal, which we're just sending off to the printers possibly this afternoon. Cool. So, um, yeah, excited about that. And then... Uh, the other thing is our, our book with LICC is going to get launched on the 28th of March. Nice. So we're just sorting out launch events for that and we'll have details about that in the next podcast, I guess. Brilliant. Looking forward to that. I've, I've had a little insight into what's been going on with that and I'm, I think it's going to be great. So very much looking forward to it. Well, um, it, while you've been doing all of that, Sam, uh, what have I been doing? I have... Um, we basically... We, we talked about it last time, but we've got the Song and Hymn Writers Foundation off the ground um so just to recap this is the new uh charity organization which now oversees all the work of resound and jubilate um and it's so brilliant because it it had well in two particular ways one is it made us kind of clarify our vision for the future and think about what are we trying to do that is really trying to bless people and benefit people because that's what you have to do in order to become a charity so it's really helped i think us to kind of home in on that um, and think about how we really want to not only write and produce good worship songs, but um, train up-and-coming songwriters and hymn writers and influence the way songs and hymns are written more, more widely. We want to, through example, but also through being you know, a bit more vocal and contributing to the, the wider discussion. So it's really exciting. Yeah. It's really good. And stuff like this podcast is exactly the kind of thing that Song and Hymn Writers Foundation is going to do. Um, and the other thing that we that I spent a bit of time doing and working with Kieran, our um, web guy, is getting online donation stuff set up because we're now uh-huh. basically as a charity, we can now take donations. We could have done before, but it's it makes some more sense when you're um, when you're charity yeah. people supporting you, and we can do it with gift aid and so on. So, um, yeah. I'm going to just put. I'm not going to do. Shall I do a big sell? No, I won't do a big sell, but I'm going to put big, out just there do... in a gentle, just yeah. like incidental way. That if anybody listening to this podcast thinks I've been really blessed by what Razan does and I'd love to support what you guys do, then we would love to just build up a little collection of um, podcast listeners who will just give a small amount each month, um, it, just a tiny amount each month. But if a bunch of people do it, it makes a big difference and lets us. And there's two words of it: it lets us plan with wisdom, but also with ambition for the future. So that yeah. would be good. So you can go and have a look at RazanWorship.org/slash/donate, um, and that's probably the end of my big sell. I think. Nice. Um, what else is coming up? Well, uh, can, can I do another big sell for the yes. for the worship songwriting <laughs> retreat? Uh, we, were, we opened the booking um, about what was it two weeks ago? Just under two weeks. You know, we're more than half full, so we've got about a dozen places left. So if you want to come, it's two hundred and seventy nine pounds, but reduced to two hundred and forty nine if you book before the seventeenth of February. Um, it's going to be me, the wonderful Geraldine Luce, aforementioned, and the oft-mentioned Yay. Matt Osgood as well are going to be leading it. Um, and they'll be, we'll be there, about 30 songwriters. There'll be feedback groups. Um, a couple of changes we made from last year based on how it went. We're going to have a bit more time in the feedback groups. We're going to make the groups slightly smaller as well, just so you get a bit more, um, more opportunities to share your songs. 
um, and we've introduced another leader. So it just means, and so you get more of those one-on-one critique clinics as well. So that, I think that's some yeah. good stuff I'm looking forward to. Um, but like I say, it's, it's filling up. So um, check on the, the website, Resign Worship slash events, um, and you can get, uh, you can book in there, 25th to 29th of May. Dead exciting. Um, yeah. We've also had a little round of song clubs. So that's where we gather some of our in-house writers and we, um, we do exactly what we talk about, really, and what we try to do with you, which is to share what we're writing. Um, and we've got an exciting little project coming. I don't know whether... Sam, shall I, I'm going to retain the details of it, but <sighs> I'm going to say that we've got a little songwriting project and a recording project we're planning to do in the middle of this year um, where we think we're going to come up with a set of songs that are useful to every single church. This is our challenge, and I, and I think... The potential is there if we do it well, if we write it well. And then we're going to work with um, Dan and Matt Weeks again on recording. We're going to try and produce something which is a sort of a hybrid between an album and actually serving the stuff we normally do on the website, which is recordings of songs and backing tracks and so on. So rather than them be completely separate, it will be available as an album. But it, actually, it's going to be a sort of a, a backlog of some of our writing all coming out, one big splurge in the summer. Um, was that you... Was that you retaining information about that? Is that what? When you told us everything? No, about I just it. haven't told you what it was. We've got a theme. We've got an exciting theme. <laughs> oh, you're holding yeah, back I'm the holding theme. Yeah, I'm holding back the theme. I'm going to tell you. People are going to be on tenter They are going hooks. to be. I think what so. What is the People theme? Are going to email in, tweet us, and uh, what is the theme? <laughs> How can you tell me that much and not tell me the theme? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um, and as well, we are. Um, in order to be able to do this, we are going to have to do some kind of crowdfunding. Um, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk to you some more about that, and and hopefully we can make that the kind of thing where you know you people who help us get the initial funding, um, it, it benefits you as well. So looking forward to sharing yeah. more of that. Um, and then the final thing is just to say I've been working with our Jubilate friends, and we're doing a hymn writing conference, calling it the Hymn Writers Workshop, on the sixth of May in London. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that because because I think. Um, there's a there's a bit of a gap there to feed into hymn writing yeah. and to say to people look there's a and I've talked before on the podcast about how I think clergy should be thinking about hymn writing people who've got some kind of kind of theological training pour that into poetry mm. and let's see what we can write together yeah. and so, so we're going to have sort of separate tracks for composers and for lyricists the composers will be led by the esteemed Noel Trudinick patron of our charity and all around awesome. guy. Uh, along with Roger Peach, who's the Jubilate editorial coordinator, and then uh, Martin Leckerbush, who I reckon is, well, I think we said before, is one, probably one of the, probably the top uh, British living hymn writer in terms of actual output at the moment, who's who's writing yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, he and I can do some stuff on on words as well. So looking forward to that, and it's going to be an opportunity to bring your stuff and have it looked at and critiqued as well, which I think is a great opportunity. Let's look at some correspondence. Um, I shared a post on, on Facebook a couple of weeks ago um, from Malcolm Duplessis. Do you remember Malcolm, Sam? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was called A Message to Songwriters. And in it, Malcolm, basically, it's a plea for songs with well-written lyrics to be written. And so it's quite it's a relatively short little post. You can see it on our um, Facebook page, but I'll put it in the notes as well. <coughs> I'll put it in the notes for... Um, this episode so but just to read a little bit of it 
Um, it says, a message to songwriters. In recent days, when I've listened to worship music, my historic convictions have been freshly reinforced. One, there is no shortage or need for more worship songs. We have them in abundance. Two, there is, however, a drastic shortage of worship songs with compelling lyrics. Lyrics that are rich in poetry, rich in theology, say things I feel in my heart the way I would like to say them when I'm face to face with Almighty God, that are real and as honest and as vulnerable as Psalms and as faith building of the Psalms. Um, I'm starting to summarise a little bit here, but he then says there are too many cliches, too many songs circling the same ideas, too many lyrics that feel like well-constructed jingles for God, not heart-wrenchingly believable. Too often in a musical rapping and production format that does not reflect the lyrical content. Therefore, this encouragement to worship songwriters, and he gives just six things. Become, please become as convicted about your lyrics as Christianity has become convicted about production in recent years. Two, please avoid mm. the temptation to write glib and over-the-top jingles for God and subject matter about which you have not had sufficient life experience. Three, please dig a little deeper into God's rich internal deposit to find your inner artist, observant, courageous, sober, careful, empathetic, poetic, and the list goes on. Four, please counterbalance the euphoric triumphalism of recent years with a kind of honesty, vulnerability, and gutsy faith that is forged in the crucible of life. Five, more than just finding new words and phrases, please explore new subject matter so we do not continue building a library of songs that cover the same ideas over and over again. And six, please find a trusted friend who will give you honest feedback on your compositions to keep you reaching for gold. So that's what oh. Malcolm has to say. So we just, I, I read that and I thought, oh yeah, well said Malcolm. And I put it out on the, on the Resound Facebook page and um, got one or two responses. Gav came back and said that, he basically response was a kind of, oh, not another rant against songwriters. And you could tell he felt it as a kind of, why are people always trying to criticise songwriters? How about yeah. telling us what we're doing well? How about being constructive and saying, you know, it's just so many people are saying the right, the, the same thing. Um, to which Matt then came in. So maybe so many people are saying the same thing because we need to listen to it. Um, and then finally, Chris also uh, commented um, that he thinks there needs to be more content out there that says, these are great contemporary lyrics, and here's why, rather than just a kind of contemporary lyrics are bad, artists are usually more motivated by learning to appreciate something great and being told most things are bad. So there we go. Um, Sam, I'm just interested in your thoughts on that on that whole post and and, and maybe some of the kind of response to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of feel uh, like I really resonate with this post. And I think one thing to say is that Malcolm isn't someone sitting on the sidelines. Um, you know, he was if you listen to the the interview that you did with him Joel last year um he's absolutely at the center of some of the explosion in the sort of 90s and early 90s of um you know people like Matt Redman you know coming to the fore so uh, you know and he continues to work with with songwriters and um in a big way so i think this isn't a guy saying oh it must be really easy yeah. to write songs why don't you just write better ones this is somebody who's really at the coal face um but is also encouraging us to and be he's, better. And he's, he's running a little label at the moment, which is producing new songs. So when yeah. he says, we don't need new songs, he doesn't mean don't write new songs. He's just trying to say, look, that's not... The, the need is not for lack of songs. It's for lack of a certain kind yeah. of song, isn't it? I think he's saying. I also think that he, he wouldn't ever want to discourage um, the kind of, you know, small grassroots songwriter sitting in their bedroom trying to churn out something for their church, you know. I think some of this criticism is... Um, mostly aimed at the big, well-known name songwriters hmm. who, you know, not that we shouldn't take it on board as well, those of us who are, you know, smaller and, and less known. But I, I think... Um, That's us, basically, you isn't know, it, Sam? We're, we're the... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, sitting in my bedroom. 
trying to churn something out for my church. But, um, you know, I think I get a bit surprised at how sensitive um, people can be towards criticism of the bigger writers. Mm. Um, you know, so, oh, you know, how dare you um, criticise, you know, whoever, I won't name a name, but, you know, as if that person is so vulnerable and fragile. Actually, you know, that person... I'm sure, you know, has their heart in the right place. But also, if they're writing massive worship songs and massive worship albums, they ought to be able to take a bit of critique. Yeah. Um, and finally, I don't think this is just negative. I think there's lots that is really constructive in this post about, okay, this is where yeah. we could be going with this. Uh, and I, I completely yeah. agree. So the, the thing that struck me most in, in what he said was the line about um, put as much effort into your lyric writing as you do into production. And I thought it's such a good point because mm. there's no doubt that the production of worship albums these days is superb. I mean, you listen to some of it sonically, musically. There's, there's amazing mm. stuff out there and a lot of resources go yeah. into it. I think the flip side of this, though, is that actually sometimes the lyrics that we think are maybe poor or you know less than they could be um, are actually the ones that are kind of palatable. And so... I mean, maybe not in Britain so much, but in America, there's a, you know, there's a, a culture of Christian mm. radio and actually maybe singing a fairly vague, ambiguous song about the love of God and how he helps me through the storms. Actually, that probably sells better than something that is rich in theology and rich in poetry and honest and vulnerable as the Psalms. So I, I don't think it's just that people are not putting enough effort in. I think sometimes they're putting a lot of effort in, but to write something that is very accessible and palatable. And and I think perhaps sometimes what we should be saying is let's write some more challenging okay, lyrics yeah. and be bold enough to write something that is not going to be immediately comfortable, that is not going to immediately fit into the to the genre of easy listening worship yeah. song. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think and I think that's there in what um, Malcolm says. It's that's a great point. Um, I don't know if you remember my interview with um, Isaac Wardell when I asked him about how the songs on the radio don't sound like the kind of he just couldn't quite believe. He said, well, "I can't can't imagine anybody would pick songs by listening to the radio. <laughs> what you do? What, what are you bringing the radio into it for?" And I know it's a different thing in the states. So in some respect, I'm not yeah. that familiar with the role that the radio plays because we don't really have the same kind of thing in the UK in terms of yeah. um, Christian music radio. But you know, I think that that's fair. Um, I think for me, when it, when you were talking about the big names, is what I want to say to them is I, th I think you can do better. And, and I think that's the point. And I think sometimes there's a kind of a standard of lyric which has become a standard um, or a level which has become a standard. And I think people just think, oh, yeah, great, I've hit that, I've done it. And because it, you build around the other stuff. And, and I love the melodies mm. and I love the production and I love it. And I, I honestly just think that if someone could sit down with some of those writers and say, yeah, it's good, but I think you could do it a bit better if you spent a bit more time on these lyrics. Um, th mm. That's the thing for me. That's the kind of thing that stirs my heart. Is yeah, I'd love to see other writers yeah. and other things like that, but I, I kind of think I, I worry that people are settling for a certain level. But then at the same time, maybe it's completely fair to say, look, if I'm writing the, a generic worship album, that, that, is doing, that has a role in the church. Um, in the same way that a more complex, challenging or whatever, you know, we, we sort of need all of these things. And I think it's totally fair for anyone at some stage to say, yeah, no, that's good. I believe in that stuff too, but it just seems that I'm good at doing this sort. 
Yeah, that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. Dissect a classic. Let's dissect a classic. This month we are going to look at the Chris Tomlin song, um, How Great Is Our God. Actually, it's Chris Tomlin and Jesse Reeves and Ed Cash, I think, is the full set. Um, yeah. I mean, they don't get much more modern classic than this, do they? So um, let, let's get stuck into it. Um, just give a bit of background to it. Um, it came from the way um, Tomlin describes it, it came from when he was reflecting, meditating on Psalm 104, um, which has this, you O Lord, are very great. You're clothed with splendor and majesty. You wrap yourself with light as a garment. Um, and he basically was one of those who sat on his sofa and started singing, how great is our God? How great? And this kind of chorus came relatively quickly and started to build, build the words around it. And then I got, I got this from an interview on Song Facts. Um, where he says, I remember I had the song, I thought it was finished. I didn't have a bridge to the song, and I met Ed Cash, who produced the record it was on. First time meeting him and talking to him about maybe producing my new record, and I remember he picks his guitar up and says, This How Great Is Our God song. I think it's pretty good, but it's not finished. I bet he said it in a cooler voice than that. And I'm like, Hey, what are you talking about? Who do you think who do you think you are? And I <laughs> <laughs> You sound like my kids when they play Lego. <laughs> As soon as they play with their Lego toys, they start like, hey, what are you doing, man? I'm just eating a croissant, man. Oh, cool, man. (laughs) Anyway, and I remember him grabbing his guitar. I believe it was something about, what if you do something like this? And I remember he just started singing. You're the name above all names. You're worthy of our praise. And it's really good. And when you open up and let somebody else sneak in, it just makes it better. Great point, Chris. So that's when we knew it was taking it to another <laughs> level. But then he talks about, you know, his, his then his surprise of, I just had no idea, really, that this song was going to take off. And and boy, has yeah. it taken off. I mean, it's been translated into countless languages. Definitely, it's one of the ones we sang when we, we lived in Peru. We sang it in Spanish. Sure, you've sung it in Swedish. Mm. It's got the kind of chorus which oh, yeah. is very translatable, and that helps, I think. Just those open, mm. how great is art. You can pretty much say that in any language and fit it into their. Um, well, I say that I'm not an expert on language, but it's it's such a simple little expressions in that chorus. It's very translatable. Yeah. yeah. And he did a recording about a few years ago where they actually did the whole song with a mixture of all kinds of different languages. It begins in Hindi and moves mm. through other ones. So it's pretty, oh, which is pretty cool. So. And we're going to do a bit of analysis on it. Um, we're going to talk about what we think makes it work, uh, why is it such a classic, and we're also going to chance uh, one or two observations of how we might uh, improve it if it were still up for grabs. Uh, mm. So I'm going to start. Um, do you know, I I remember when I first did this in church, um, what was it 2004 or something I think it came out? Um, it's getting on a bit, isn't it? Um, I remember a friend yeah. afterwards just going, What's all that sing with me stuff? I'm not singing that. That's just a joke. <laughs> and I sort of thought, like, you're right, that is a bit weird, but it feels great to sing. Um, so, yeah. and that's interesting. We maybe come to that in a minute, but um, it, it sort of it's made use of a musical hook there, um, and actually made use of a musical hook because that sing with me really is by saying something which actually is very important in i think in congregational singing this recognition that it's a that it's a horizontal as well as an upward dimension to it so that i think yeah. that's important to it um i think a strength is that whilst it in some ways has the look of just being a collection of phrases it is very much drawn from scripture and actually from a particular bit of scripture and i think I think mm. sometimes you can do that where you haven't necessarily created beautiful flowing poetry, but because the content is scriptural, it has a power and a weight to it, which you can just, in a sense, list almost as a kind of meditation. That's almost a strength there. 
And then the yeah. other thing that I would just point out is, um, I think Matt Osgood pointed um, this out at some stage, that the chorus really is just three notes with a little bit of dancing around on it, which is you've got the main tonic note, <laughs> which is the, um, how, let's put it in this case, how great, so that's your main tonic note, great, do, 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 do. So it's just kind of three notes, and then you dance a bit around them. And those notes that it sits on yeah. are your main tonic note and the third, and they're both part of the harmonic series, which is getting a bit technical. But what it means is they're just such solid notes. They feel so great to sing. It's almost like yeah. a trumpet uh, or a bugle tune with a few other notes yeah. thrown in around it. And it's a really good way of um, sometimes of, of analysing your melody, particularly on choruses, I think, just to say, what are my main, what are the central notes that the other stuff dances around? If you find those are the odd notes mm. in the scale, it's going could be quite a weak melody, whereas if it's the strong um, notes, the first and the third, okay, those are odd numbers, but you know what I mean, um, then... <laughs> then you can end up with a really strong melody. So I think I think it's one of the one of the strengths that makes it so singable. Yeah, I agree. Um, I remember hearing this for the first time. I went to the states uh, not long after it came out, probably, um, and was at Willow Creek, and we we heard it at, 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 in a worship service, and we all turned around to each other and went, "Wow, that is going to be a huge song." Uh, and we could we could basically remember it when we went home. We kind of almost didn't need to you know see music of it anymore because it was so memorable um and i think at the time the other thing was that we'd had a whole sort of spate of songs that were very me focused i will worship yeah you know it was about my response i love you i can feel you and this song is such a god song it's and it's it's poetic you know he wraps himself mm. in light and darkness tries to it was a really distinctive song in that it was you know in the modern kind of musical genre but lyrically it feels more like you sort of thing you'd associate with a hymn where you know it's it's very um much about who yeah. god is and it's kind of describing him and then the chorus is just this kind of release of how great is our god um so and I think that what it did was it, it kind of opened the floodgates for a load of other songs. So I think we've seen a lot of other songs that have followed it, which have been more God-focused, more about kind of having awe mm. and wonder at God, perhaps than, you know, perhaps the sort of intimacy stuff that we had before. So I, I would, you know, really kind of want to champion it on the basis of, cool. of that. Um, let's, um, let's put the other hat on. Sam, if, you, if Chris had brought it to you, before he published uh, it any thoughts well, anything you would you you were saying that it was okay that it was a bit mm. of a list um but i do think that starts to break down particularly in the end of verse two so it says the godhead three and one now you're not going to get that out of the psalm so i'm guessing that he's kind of saying okay i'm, I'm, yeah, I'm broadening I'm away from picture. the song i'm yeah. just going to say yeah other things that and, and that's cool as well you know to kind of talk about I mean, not many songs talk about Trinity. So the Godhead, three and one, Father, Spirit, Son, that's really strong. But then he adds this, the lion and the lamb. And, and I was thinking about that. It's, it sort of sounds like a biblical phrase, but it's not specifically. I mean, the Bible talks about, you know, the wolf lying with the lamb and the um, the, the the lion will lie with something else. Um the lion will eat straw like an ox, says Isaiah 65. So it's got, I mean, that's not really about God, is it? And I guess 
you've got this sense of of God being like a strong lion. Maybe you start to think of Aslan, and then you've got Jesus as the Lamb who was slain. And there's all that kind of stuff. But at the, at the same time, it just seems like it, it's a bit random, really. And especially when you've talked about Godhead three and one, Father, Spirit, Son. Wouldn't you kind of push mm. into that and maybe you know just finish off that part of the thought rather than adding another thought, which is you know it's it's all right but it's just a bit yeah. out of nowhere i mean I, I, it's a fair critique i was thinking about this that it, it does sound a bit like a pub name doesn't it the lion and the lamb <laughs> um but it, it's a point that it, see you there for last too, orders it's two pictures it's two metaphors for god um that or, or for jesus that are never really i don't think are ever really put together in the bible because they're not supposed no. they're not on the same theme they're not on they're just two different and when you no. put them together you start to draw some kind of contrast that isn't necessarily supposed to be there although obviously on a very broad level no. the fact that he's the great and majestic powerful mighty warrior kind of image of a lion lion of judah and so on compared to the very humble sacrificial you know escape well that would be the goat i suppose scapegoat nature of the lamb <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a fair point. It's a fair point that at that stage, it just sort of it becomes a list that is, and yeah, isn't it funny that that it feels a powerful line when you sing it because of the, because there is a sort of there is a poetic contrast in it, but um, yeah, yeah, I think if yeah. if it was me, I would, and again, you know, he's not going to do this. You could write to him. It's, it's you done could all right without my help, but. Um, if if that whole sort of second half of the second verse had been about, you know, he's powerful and yet he's gentle or he, you know, he, he's omnipotent and yet he's self-sacrificing yeah. and, and you'd kind of followed that through, that would have been cool. Or if he'd gone with the yeah. Trinity thing yeah. and followed that through, that would have made sense to me. It's just this kind of piling up of imagery, which I don't know, at the, at the end of that verse, I've, I, I don't feel i guess there's more to chew on but i don't sort of feel that um yeah satisfied well i i'm going to go to the other end of the song to the very beginning now i've got a feeling and you, yeah. i don't know whether you remember this when you were in the states that originally it was the splendor of a king rather than the splendor of the king uh, i might be making that up maybe oh, our listeners remember. know um i've certainly seen it listed sort of in a songbook or something like list, listed as that Okay, and it, and in a sense, it slightly makes more sense because it it's not quite a it's not quite a sentence as it is, isn't it? It's sort of it just it, it's a list. The splendor of the king. Mm. Well, what about the splendor of the? What you mean is the king is robed in splendor or something, but actually just to, to start yeah. with the splendor and and it's funny because actually as you sing it, you sort of don't mind because you're just kind of working your way through a list a little bit. But th- that would be the bit I think that just you couldn't. That's the sort of thing where you say you could have just shuffled your words around a little bit and just tried to find the way to make that actually flow into something which actually uh, um, has a is not just a list. I guess that's the thing. Um, yeah, he's sort yeah. of saying, "Look at the splendor of the king who's clothed in majesty, is isn't he? Let, let mm. all the earth rejoice." And it's just kind mm. of um, something like that lacking. Um, but so we're, we're yep. brave, aren't we? We don't mind having a little, having a little go at improving um, one of the world's, possibly <laughs> the world's most popular worship song. 
We'll, we'll give it a go anytime. <laughs> do uh, you know? Do tweet us or email us or whatever you know. Tell us if you if you completely disagree. Um, we're interested to hear from yeah. you. Um, and if your name is Chris, uh, then we're particularly interested to hear from you. At this point, are you going to play your song cycle yes. jingle? Because I thought the twelve song challenge jingle was eye watering. Oh, what do you mean, when you song- say? Can you just clarify what you mean by eye watering? I like um, enjoy. Uh, I'm not sure in, e- in every way. Eye watering in every yeah. way, uh, and and the song cycle jingle is, I mean, it it's just a thing of beauty, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you. Shall we? Uh, shall we play it now? Song cycle, song cycle. Everybody do the song cycle. Rad that song. Rad that song. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a lot of coffee before you record it? I just, it just seemed to be the thing. It seemed to be the, what makes you think it was me? Uh, it just seemed to be the thing to do. Shall we talk about the song cycle? Song cycle, song cycle. Everybody do the song cycle. Not that song. So the song cycle is um, our, um, our participative project with uh, you guys to, to go through a three-month cycle of writing a song from the very first inspiration through to the final kind of presentation of the finished product. And um, we divided it into three months. The first month was going to be about inspiration, ideas, and narrowing down to some kind of song to pursue. The second month is very much about developing that song. We're going to talk a bit in a minute about research and about writing and about feedback. And then the final month is going to be about testing and trying out the song. It's going to be about then refining it after the road test and just tweaking it, getting it all absolutely right. And then finally, how you actually present it in terms of how you do it by on paper or recording or in your church, how you teach it and, and other things like that. So that is the, the three months of the song cycle. We've had the first month. They're very blurred. We said this last time. They're very sort of blurred months. You can't, you just sort of flow yeah. through this over the three months, but we've divided it up just to be able to kind of contribute to it. And we've had a, um, an online forum, which is songcycle.resignworship.org if you want to join in, um, where people have been sharing their initial ideas and feeding back on some of them. Um, Sam, how do you think it's been, just your overall reflections, how it's been going? Well, I like this idea of having a lot more time, and I think that's working. Um, it's interesting. We've probably had about there's about ten or so ideas here, so maybe not quite as many as we have for some of the um, twelve song challenge. I wonder if one of the things is maybe if we do this again, we could get we could give a kind of broad theme yeah. or a, a broad challenge um, to get so people can kind of get their teeth in. I think sometimes just having a completely blank canvas doesn't really get you going. So maybe if we, you know, chose something and gave people a bit of, you know, of a kickoff to kind of get going with it, with a particular thing, maybe we could do that in the future. But I think there's some good stuff here and I've been commenting on a few people's kind of ideas so far. Yeah, there's been some, some cool ideas. What hasn't happened, which I, which I sort of, I suppose I hoped for, was that we'd all have a bunch of song ideas and we just go what about this chorus what about this verse yeah what about this other song yeah. and then everyone would say oh i really like that one and what we've actually found is that really people have maybe they've sort of already done that self-selection and so the thing they're beginning yeah. to share um is their is their main idea but also what's been interesting is most well maybe about half people have have actually shared you know a bit of a recording or a full set of lyrics or something and the other people have just said, look, this is my idea. This is some of the directions. This is one or two lyrical ideas. What do you think? Where would you point me to? Yeah. What should I do? 
Yeah, and I think all, all of that is valid, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it's hard to have an idea without fleshing it out for a verse and a chorus. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, hopefully people will, will, you know, will jump off from where they're where they've got to so far. Yeah. Um, well, let's just see. Um, how did you get on, Sam? Because I know you've been working on a few ideas. Yeah. So I um, sort of jumped on using John 15, which is where Jesus uh, talks about things like you're the vine, we are the branch. Um, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, and talks about bearing fruit. And I guess my main thinking behind that was Mark Green wrote this book, Fruitfulness for the Frontline, mm. um, which uh, has really been kind of quite inspirational to me. And the idea that uh, what God is calling us to is fruitfulness. He doesn't necessarily want us to change everything about the world uh, but he's kind of planted us in one place and he's asking us to be fruitful there and that can look you know a variety of ways how we do our work how we relate to people you know and it includes evangelism but it's not it's not that sense of you know the only way to please god is to go and evangelize which is sometimes the impression that we can get so i really wanted to write a song about that idea of fruitfulness and to to jump off john 15 and what i did was i looked at the passage and I just started to kind of jam a load of ideas and I posted um, a bunch of them on the forum because I wanted people um, if they're interested they can go and you know be part of the forum and go and look but basically just to see that that process of okay let me try and sing something out okay right now I'm going to change the key what does that do I'm going to I'm going to change the groove I'm going to slow it right down or I'm going to speed it up I'm going to cut a load of words out what does that do yeah. and just that kind of playing and experimenting for me is always part of the process um and so i did that and a bunch of people fed back which was really useful Mm. um so mel and brian and jonathan Mm. and um and i kind of read through that and took on some comments and then i wrote uh i kind of realized that if it was going to be a kind of adult song that if i focus too much on the fruit yeah it was going to become very quickly what people would consider an all-age song. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Um, to, to if you, yeah, I don't know why that is, but I agree, and you can see it, can't you? As soon as you do that, yeah. So something about that sort of extended metaphor can become, I don't know, just quite quite kiddie yeah. quite quickly. So I wrote. I just I just thought, well, what if I approach this from a much more kind of adult idea? So I, I wrote it around more of a metaphor of of a sort of a tree and the song yeah, seasons yeah. change and the leaves come and go. And, and it, again, it wasn't great, but I just thought, let's get out an idea like this. Um, and then finally kind of mulling it around in my brain, I finally kind of came down something that I like, yeah. so I can cool. play that. Yeah, let's hear it. Faithful God Go us into fruitful people Everywhere that you lead us In our homes and on our streets Servant King Go us into useful people day as you call us, may we work to spread your peace. We will remain in you, and we will stay 
Make us your distinctive people Everywhere that you lead us As the pressure closes in Great I am Liberate your captive people Every day as you call us Lord, deliver us from sin We will remain in you And we will stay close to Jesus So that we bear good fruit We will Send us out as praising people Everywhere that you lead us As we journey from this place Gracious friend Send us out as loving people Every day as you call us be bringers of your grace. Woo! Yeah! Well done, Sam. Thanks. Nice job. That's amazing. That's uh, come a long way from your initial ideas. Um, yeah. And what you've done is you've sort of, I can see you, you've taken that remain in me and bear fruit thing and tried to try to expand it without constantly talking about fruit and vines and branches and that sort of thing. Um, I like the stuff I like about it. I like the, um, that the shape of the beginning lines of each section. It's nice. Those, those kind of push notes and then mirroring it as well. It's nice and hooky. So melodically, it's some really nice things. I, I just wondered at the end of each of those lines, when you say the word people, you always go down on yeah. the second syllable. But when you mm -hmm. sing it in your song, you always go up on it. And I just wondered whether it might have a more natural cadence. If you it's faithful oh, okay. God, grow us into faithful people. Something oh, yeah. to try. I was just I pondering that. that as I listened. Um, nice stuff with the, the lyrics, um, basically addressing God each time in different ways and then and then what we're kind of calling on him to do with us, in us. I think that's cool. Um, I don't have a lot of um, critique comments. I guess the thing that, I'm, that, that stands out to me most is, is probably just the ever so slight sort of awkwardness of faithful God grow us into fruitful people as an expression, because it sort of assumes, I understand that we're talking God, garden, a vine, branches, bling, 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 <laughs> when you use that, that grow expression. And actually what you've kind of done is you've removed it from everywhere else and it just pops up yeah, in that first yeah. line. And obviously it's there then in, in the chorus. And I just, I wonder about the grow line, whether actually, even though it is your link to your initial idea, whether it needs, whether there's another verb another sort of active verb that might sort of sing better remember maggie dawn talking about the guh sound in in songs and you've got two in a row god oh. grow 
cheeky. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think yeah, that's no, that's all helpful. I and it's one of those things, isn't it? Where because it's it's become a song that's inspired by that passage yeah. rather than um, that is setting that passage. Um, and my aim now is really that it's a kind of sending responsey type song. Yeah. That's that's the that's the the key thing. And I think I I want the fruit thing to be in there, but um, you know how it, how it features and and you know whether faithful God grow us into fruitful people is the best first line. Yeah, because because I, I sort of start there as a, in 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 terms of process doesn't mean that that's actually the best first line. Yeah, and there might be some other stuff. I'll talk about about this when we when we do the workshop later. That. There's just, a, I guess, there's a whole bunch of things we can call on God to do in and with us, aren't there? In terms of how we, when we're thinking about going out and, um, and I, no, my brain's gone. I did this. I, pre- <laughs> I preached last night. I got halfway to a sentence and I just paused and I couldn't remember where the sentence was going. I'm worried. Some more sleep, that. Joel. I know. I, I think what happens is sometimes I start thinking about the next thing I'm going to say and get quite excited about it. <laughs> and just let the other thing tail off. But when you've got a whole, you know, got hundreds of people listening to you, it's a bit more. Uh, yeah, it's probably a bit worrying for everyone. I, for a while, and the thing is, I then stand there in silence and I start thinking, I wonder if I can. I wonder if anyone's noticed. I wonder if I can bluff this. Can I just think of it? I know I've been silent for quite a long time. You, you know what, what you am should I do? do. You know what you should do in that job. Yeah. You should just silently wipe a tear away from your eye <laughs> and sniff. It's like go. And then just carry on, and everyone will think, "Wow, you must have had a real moment that there." It just really like, clearly got like overwhelmed. Just do the, actually, I think the sniff would do it. Just <laughs> and then look down, find yeah. your notes, work out where you are, <laughs> look back up, and carry on. I try and remember that. Um, anyway, it doesn't mean that I can't remember what I was going to say before. Um, I, I think I suppose it's that question about is that the best first line? Is that the best way into it? The, the thing I suppose I just when I read it as a piece of um, as a piece of poetry, I felt like uh, what the thing perhaps I missed, and I don't know if you can get this in there or not, because it sort of messes it up. Is it's very much a request based thing, mm-hmm. and and somehow to express the kind of confidence of faithful God, you are growing us into faith, fruitful people, or you've called us to be your chosen people, or you've got. There's a sense of of what He has already done or is already doing, as well as what we're what we're asking Him to do in us, and whether you can kind of weave in that sense of confidence but the only way i can think of doing that is to have quite a different kind of first verse which then you kind of break your pattern so that's just a i mean would it would it work to go i hadn't thought about this but faithful god you grow us into fruitful people so putting that you grow us yeah it becomes more of a statement of what god does is that that's helpful good. to you sam yeah thanks man good lovely Play us yours uh, do you want to hit okay so it's only a little one God was a refugee, one who flees to find their safety. Our God was a hunted child, once exiled from home and country. Our God wasn't welcomed home by those he'd known as friends and neighbors. Nowhere to lay his head And forced to tread To trial and danger 
but I got is a fortress strong and a home for the orphaned one and a hope for the day to So good, so good. Um, and given the events of the last few days, yeah, I feel like you need to get on and finish it quick and get it out there. I know what you mean, actually. You're right, it's pretty um, current, isn't it? Yeah, really current. Um, and it's, you know, it's things that a lot of people say, but we don't sing them very often. Mm. Um, and it is... It, I think you've you've got a really good mix actually because, I mean, you you do in some ways you state things quite plainly. You know, you don't you don't sort of wrap it up in a load of poetry. But I think the kind of quite almost childlike music background for me really works. I know when we had song club, somebody was saying, "Oh, does that really fit?" But I, for me, that that does fit really well. Um. And I, yeah, I, I, in some ways, I just think get on and write a second verse. <laughs> Do you know what I, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm with you in the sense of, I hadn't even really, th- so this was something I'd just been reflecting on a bit over, you know, over one or two months, just thinking about this idea of, I guess just wanting to write a song with, it, it is so much that connects to the idea of refugee in the Bible. Yeah. And, and it needs, let's get it in a song, let's sing about it, because it's so real in our world. And then this idea that actually it's God who has experienced all these things, and we can go on. There's other stuff about, you know, oppression, about being rejected, about injustice, all these kinds of mm. things. Um, but at the same time, it is our our God is not just that, but he's actually, he is the refuge. He is the, the place of safety. My fear of this kind of thing is I just feel like it's such a big topic. And I'm not on the run. I'm not fearing for my life. And I don't know to what extent saying things like, our oh, God is a home for the orphan. Is that just, is it glib? Is it twee? Or is it faith building? I don't, do you know what I mean? I think I think it's important to 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 be real about that that you know we're not we're not personally experiencing this but I think if nobody writes songs about this um our our worship is really in danger of becoming escapism yeah and actually these are the things that are on uh, it's in our news you know um uh, even if we're not coming in in contact with it firsthand i'm sure mm. that at least all of us know somebody who is either in some sort of relationships with people who are refugees or they're trying to do something you know in terms of uh you know i mean for me living in luton it's it's not it's not a million miles away um mm. and even actually living in sweden i you know built some relationships really strongly with some refugees so i don't think it's a million miles away and i, I think it's really important um in terms of where to go in the second mm. verse, I think it does need a second verse. And I think I would avoid a sense of, therefore we must go and serve and give our cash. Yeah, I agree. I, mm. I think it should be a little bit more, I said this on the on the forum, um, one of my little songwriting things is, what would Tim Keller do? Um, if people don't know Tim Keller, the American preacher, he manages to get every every sermon topic to the cross basically yeah uh, and say how christ takes 
almost every situation and theological issue and storyline and is the answer to it basically yes. on the cross and it's a real skill that he has to do that it's so encouraging that, when you listen to it, it isn't it as well yeah, oh, it, yeah it brings you back to you know and it's not then you know he says you know you can you can um for example the story of david you can say well what you know what are the five smooth stones in my life and who's the goliath and how am i going to stand up or you can say actually you know there there was once you know a a young um you know weak king that that actually def- ultimately defeated goliath yeah you know um i'm not so it's not, not about us. It very, what you're doing is you're looking at everything us. and you say, how is this telling me about Christ? How is this telling me yeah, about Jesus? Exactly. So, and I think you've already got that, you know, the God was a refugee, but I would, I would say just exp- expand that into, you know, and our God suffered on the cross and yeah. therefore we, we have a hope and we have an ability to, to reach out to others. And it's because of Christ. And I think that that would be, you know, I'm not trying to put words into your, into your song, but that kind of direction could really, you know, yeah. take it on without it becoming a big guilt trip thing. I think you mm. want to avoid that. Yeah. Time for the workshop. We're into uh, month two of the song cycle. And uh, we're going to talk through just a few thoughts now on how you can actually develop your song during these um, this month. So you've got your initial idea and how you're going to take it from where it was um, to what it is finally going to become. Um, I'm going to uh, kick off and then we're talking about this idea of research, re-research, if you like. Time's going to talk more about how you develop it in the writing and then we'll just, we'll get to the feedback at the end. So really my three things for the... I've called it re-research because you can feel like I've done my inspiration, I've started my writing and so on. I've kind of, I've, I'm there with, with what I want to write. But actually what often happens is you... You get an initial burst of inspiration, you start writing, and then you just reach the limits of what is in your head or in mm. your experience or whatever else it might be. And you start to fill it with either your own ideas or you start to fill it with um, with fillers or generic you know, phrases and so yeah. on. You think, okay, where is this yeah. actually going to go? And, and it's normally only once I certainly find, once I've started writing a song and I've got a verse or a chorus, like that one we've listened to, I now know what that song is really about and I can now go and look. And so I have three three things I might go and gather. This is a question for saying, okay, I've reached the limits of what is in me. I'm going to go and gather some more stuff so I've got some stuff to draw on. One is Bible verses and, and passages and so on. It's just saying, so with the refugee thing, are there any other things about being a refugee, about suffering unjustly? What can I find in the yeah. scriptures that I can potentially draw on. And I often just get them and I look them up and I use Bible Gateway or I use a concordance. I've got this great old good news link reference Bible that just takes you on a journey <laughs> through different themes. Um, and I just either cut and paste or write down a load of those verses. So I've just got a, a load of scripture and often find some inspiration in there for other stuff I can do. Another thing is I just try to think about what are the metaphors in this, in this particular theme that I've now narrowed it down to. What kind of metaphors can you use in association with it? And I just write a list of them. I might even draw pictures of them. Um, 
and I just words that connect with those metaphors. So you just start to think about that and think, is there an overriding metaphor or is there one I want to use? That's a good way of clarifying your thinking and drawing out a bit more language and substance. And then the final thing is to put the song down, forget a song from it. And a lot of this is about put your song down. And this is to think, OK, I'm going to write my theme at the top of the page and I'm going to write a list of words, which absolute just single words, which absolutely connect with that theme. And now I'm going to go through and just see if any of them rhyme. And, and I'm going to work backwards and say, oh, look, I've got some these. I said they were all keywords and I've discovered that this one rhymes with that one. This one rhymes with that one. And there's a good chance then that if I start now to structure some of my verses and chorus and things so that they end with those rhymes, I know that every landing of every line is going to be strong, substantial and powerful. It's not going to work foolproof every time. But that's the three yeah, things. Yeah. So Bible verses, metaphors and rhymes. Go and get them. Put the song down for a bit do that and then pick it up again and do what sam hargreaves says <laughs> great thanks joel that's really helpful um yeah i would just um add a few things when you're looking at your song and you're in, at that process of i guess rewriting you know you, you you've you've got some stuff out you've you've got a version and then you're thinking right i want to rewrite this um so lyrically um geraldine talks about chasing down lines i like this look at each line each word and think is this really the best way of putting it um, is this a jargon word? Is this a weird word? Sometimes, you know, you use a word in a song and someone says, that's a bit of an odd word. So it's just, it kind of jumps out in the wrong way. Mm. Um, write down alternatives. I'll often, like this song we're writing now, I've got little square brackets or r- words in red or uh, slash marks to say, you know, what about these three different words? Which is better? Um, and again, kind of using a thesaurus or, you know, looking up alternative words there. Um, next check the progression of the song does the song progress in a natural and logical way there isn't kind of one way of doing this but um you you know it might have changed from what you first intended you might have wanted to say well we'll start with the cross and we'll move on to you know my personal forgiveness and actually in the writing that's changed and that's okay but you know has it has it gone in a in a way that makes sense Mm. uh and related to this and this is something we always do in resound is does it need all the sections you've included? Yeah. So if you've got a verse, a pre-chorus, a chorus, a verse two, verse three, you know, tag, um, bridge, all of this stuff. Actually, what happens if you just did it and took out all those pre-choruses? Yeah. Or what happens if you took out that bridge? Or you know, just be a bit uh, radical in in saying if I took this out, actually, would the song miss it? And sometimes you find it doesn't. Um, we had the our thing about- apple trees pruned last year. Um, part yeah. of the point was you you what you do is you prune sort of every five out of every six branches uh-huh. so that the ones that are in there have room to grow and have room yeah. for the wind to blow through them. I found that really interesting yeah. image. But how about that for a for a verse? Prune out all the bits that don't need to be there so the stuff that yeah. is there can flourish and the wind can blow through it. Nice. Good Thank image. You. I'm going to put that in a meme. Carry on. <laughs> um... Another thing to think about is revelation and response. So this idea that in kind of biblical worship, uh, God says something, reveals himself, does something, and then the people kind of respond. Does your song have both content, stuff about who God is, and then space for people to respond? And if it has kind of more than one than the other, then maybe that's okay. But again, it's just something to think about. And maybe you want to say, oh, I need to put a bit more content or a bit more response into my song. 
And memorable images. Does the song have any memorable lines, any striking images, any kind of emotional hooks? Are there bits that people go, oh, yeah. You know, not every single line has to be like that. But I, I'm guessing in most songs that stick around, there is the kind of... Hands that wraps flung him- stars into space. Yeah, hands that flung yeah. stars into space. He wraps himself in light yeah. and darkness, tries to hide and trembles. You know, stuff like that that just makes you go, oh, you know, that is really that is really something memorable that's really striking. Or something that is that is quite personal. So I was thinking, um, you know, um, see from his... Um, no, I'm remembering it wrong. Um, my name is written on his hands. My name is hidden in his heart. Yeah. That's one that, oh, wow, that's really personal. That's really, yeah. you know, it's evocative. So think about that. And turning to uh, musically, um, melodically particularly, can you remember the melody without listening to it? You know, sometimes I write a song and I have to go back to my recording and think, how did that go again? And actually, it's probably not a good sign. Mm. So are you walking around the house singing your melody? Are other people singing your melody? And if they're not, um, maybe you need to you know, improve it. And, and and one way I would do that is actually to either go for a walk without an instrument or we talked before about going for a drive and just singing the melody over to yourself, different versions, find one that is really strong, really chase down that melody. I um, My example of that is sometimes I've been sitting in a room recording a song or writing a song and then later that evening while Rhiannon's making supper or I am or something, I just hear her humming the tune or singing. Yeah. And singing. She's usually made up some really weird words to go with it. It's sort of vaguely <laughs> what she thinks I might be singing. But then I know, ah, it's what they call the old wife whistle test. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? She's not She's that old. Not, actually. Um, you're going to be in trouble. Um and then just other musical things to kind of mix it up. Uh, have you tried it in different keys? You know, if you're a guitarist, slap on a capo, play it in a different part of the neck, play it with different chord shapes. What does that do to the melody? If you're singing, you know, a melody, um, and maybe the, the you know, the just the shape of my melody would change because I'm putting it in a different part of the of the scale. So just mess around with things like that. Um, and then think about your chords. Uh, firstly, do all your chords fit? Sometimes we find that actually what we're singing uh, is not really hitting on the notes of the chord. So if you can work out what you're singing, work out the chords, are the, the key notes, are they falling on those notes of the chord? Um, and there's two ways to go with chords as well. You might try to add something more interesting. So if you're playing, a, say you're playing an E chord, maybe you put in the, the, the minor chord that relates to that, the C sharp minor. Uh, instead of the C, or you can you can go more complex than that, obviously. Um, but then conversely, you might just try simplifying it. So actually, we've talked on, on the podcast, haven't we, Joel, about, you know, actually sometimes those more primary colours work better. Yeah. And if you've got loads of, you know, you've used loads of different chords and you've got some sevenths and some seconds and some, you know, all some funky things, actually, what happens to your song if you pair it right back, if you just use chords one, four and five, or just add in chord six or chord two mm. um so you might want to think about that as, as a way of developing your song and finally um this is something i've played with quite a lot as well is shifting the time signature so if you're if you're singing something in four four what happens if you put it into six eight hmm. what happens yeah. if you put it into three four or what happens if you slow it right down or you speed it right up so you know do a really slow version does that work better or if you do a really fast up tempo version, does that work? And actually, suddenly, you know, a song that you've got and you really stuck in a particular way of singing it, actually, you can you can transform. I remember it. there's a good example of that is that Tim Hughes song from a while back, um, "Beautiful One." 
It, it was mm. a, it was this one that he sort of sat on his in his bed and was playing. He's wonderful, so wonderful, <laughs> yeah, beautiful yeah. one. And somebody said, I think it was his producer, and he said, "How about rocking that up?" Beautiful one. Ah, and it's got a completely different character, but suddenly the the melody has a takes off and and it actually yeah. becomes a lot less like a very kind of saccharine love song somehow yeah. it's got a bit of meat to it even though you're singing quite um sentimental words so finally this yeah. month um get feedback so as you do this process you've got to keep bouncing it off people we've got our forum songcycle.resoundworship.org you can come post it on there and get some feedback from the other songwriters Bounce it off your friends, bounce it off your husband or your wife or your housemates, um, your brothers and sisters. Try bouncing it off your vicar. Send the words and say, what do you think, you know, or your pastor, what do you think about the content of these mm. or anything? You know, get some of that. And this is a kind of a bouncing process. And the next month we'll talk about, which is not say so you can't do that this much, but we'll talk more about how you then try it out with a group and see how it sings yeah. and get a feel for it in a, in a real situation. Um, but that's the other key thing. So we've offered the opportunity for you to join in with us in, in sharing that and getting that feedback. We'd love to, to hear from you and see what you're writing. All that remains is for me to introduce our featured song for this month, and it is High in the Heavens by Judy Gresham. This is actually a song we've had on the site for probably nearly 10 years. Um, but a few months ago, Matt Osgood very kindly did a re-record in a bit of spare time from his worship song recording.com business and um he's given it to us to put up on the site and we've actually made it a, a fr- matt said would you give this away for free so uh we said yeah sure so you can actually go onto the site and get this for free it's a great song it's very much you'll see themed around philippians 2 but what it does is it takes it sort of turns it upside down and, and works through it backwards in certain ways and then come back to celebrate this ascended yeah. reigning glorious jesus uh, do get in touch with your questions and comments via facebook.com slash resoundworship.org, Twitter at resoundworship, or email podcast at resoundworship.org. Don't forget to book for the Worship Songwriting Retreat. And do have a think about whether you want to support us through the Song and Hymn Writers Foundation, which you can find more details on our website. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Exalted Name above all other names Lord over all of creation Worthy of power and praise Blessing and honor and glory Are His eternal rewards Let every knee bow before Him Every tongue say he is Lord Jesus, you are exalted and glorified Jesus, name above all names will lift you high Lord in the splendor of heaven Jesus eternally God Entered yourself, came as nothing Choosing the road to the cross
God, you found in our likeness, shedding your glory to serve. Humble and claiming advantage, you laid down your life for the of grace on the earth. You love the heart that is humble. You desire worship that's true. 